Welcome in, everybody. It is another episode, the Christmas episode, a very special episode in that particular way. Uh, this is not a rebuild. Uh, it is Thursday, December 21st, the night before the Cubs make all their big moves of the winter, right? Uh, apparently. We apparently, are like, every night is the night before they make their big group moves of the winter. Or, not, or the night after. or Well, it's definitely not the night after. That would feel very different than what we feel right now. Yeah. Um, Unless they those moves that we talked about were their big moves. Yeah. And then it feels yeah. like every other year. It'd be a very bleak winter. This is the longest night of the winter. And it's felt like a very long night of uh, an off season already. Um, we're a three person staff tonight. No DJ at the moment. That could change uh, later in the show. But for now, we're just kicking around some thoughts um there hasn't been any major cubs news although did you guys see in addition to those itty bitty minor league deals they also rounded out the coaching staff this week no. see, yeah that would have been better information than picking up three people no one has ever heard of their families don't know their names well <laughs> you're if you've ever heard of either of these guys and i think there's only even a, a chance that you've heard of one but they're they're fringy anyway and they're taking up traditionally the two least important roles on the, the staff but i think it is kind of important here's what happened craig council inherited most of his coaching staff right uh because they didn't fire a lot of the guys when they replaced ross with council and that happened sort of late enough in the process that he couldn't just pull over a bunch of coaches right away and fill the whole staff with his people. Um, they did lose Andy Green to the Mets, so then they hired Ryan Flaherty, ex-Cubs farmhand, as the bench coach a couple of weeks ago, three, four weeks ago now. But this, I think I saw that one, yeah. Yeah. This week, just a few days ago, they hired Darren Holmes, the ex I believe lefty reliever for several teams in the majors and Mark Stritt matter. You can just tell that he's a minor league lifer by that last name, but Darren Holmes is going to be the bullpen coach and Stritt matter is the catching coach. Okay. They, they both go way, way back with Craig council council before he became a journeyman in the majors and played for just about everybody. He came up in the Rockies system in the nineties. And I don't I don't have any info on like were they roommates or whatever, but he and Strip Matter spent multiple seasons together at Rockies minor league affiliates. Um Strip Matter only ended up getting a cup of coffee in the majors and has been a basically a Rockies lifer ever since. He was their minor league catching coordinator before he got hired to this job instead. How do you spell that last name? S-T-R-I-T-T-M-A-T-T-E-R. -T -T -E okay. Just, just assume every a, letter's a T. You're halfway. 
there's a, a family or a, a, a clan uh, near Peoria uh, called Street Matter, S-T-R-E-I-T-M-A-T-T-R, I believe. Um, so I thought maybe it was some connection, but it's just the, uh, the Alabama branch of that family, just pronounced okay. Strip Matter. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but Strip Matter knows counsel from way back then. Also, when counsel came up to the Rockies in 96, 96, 97, uh, already there for a few years by that point was Holmes in the Rockies bullpen. And then they also spent a year together when both were in Arizona in 2000 as players. Uh, Holmes had been, the last couple of years, he was the assistant pitching coach for the Orioles. And so now he becomes the bullpen coach and sort of the third pitching coach on staff for the Cubs. He's He is the bullpen coach, but it's not the old Lester Strode style bullpen coach where just stay out of the way and make sure guys get up when we call it's more of a assistant assistant pitching coach they've got tommy hadavi they've got daniel moscos who has been the assistant pitching coach for a year or two now and then now they'll add Holmes to that it's important because a now council has a couple of guys we know he knows like actually knows and is comfortable with on his staff but b one of the things that the Brewers did really, really well under Craig Council was improve catchers, especially at pitch framing, but just overall, they were great with catchers. Jonathan Lucroy, Omar Narvaez, a bunch of backups in a row from Martin Maldonado to Manny Pena. Guys, they got a lot of value out of that position. Council wasn't able to bring over the guys who helped him do that in Milwaukee. In fact, Milwaukee promoted their minor league catching coordinator, Charlie Green, to their big league staff, specifically so the Cubs wouldn't be able to poach him. So instead, Council went and got a catching coach he knows really well to hopefully port that same type of success to the Cubs. So He's going to work some magic with Alfaro? Is that what he's going to do? <laughs> Not with Alfaro. With Amaya, oh. hopefully. Um, I think Miguel Amaya is... Already not a terrible receiver, but there are a lot of correctable and important flaws in his defensive game that we saw last year. I think Strip Matter's job is basically going to be to get in Amaya's pocket and knock it out of it until he is a very good starting catcher in this league. So they're, they seem like very small hires, but both for council's comfort and for actual on-field reasons, they're pretty important ones. Well, and Clearly, the, yeah. Names. That that's that, that they're going to have to be because apparently the Cubs aren't going to sign or trade for anybody, so they've got to develop the people they have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's a it's a punchline at this point in a way, but it is true that the less they successfully do this offseason, and I think they are still trying to do stuff. I want to be clear Good on that. God, but... I'd hope so. I mean, right now we saw. I don't know where that that lineup that DJ sent us came from. Mm -hmm. But good lord, that was anemic. It's not I mean, that anemic. It's just well, Tom, you said right. What's the most average, average. lineup in baseball history? That's right. it. It's the one. It, it, you didn't even have to look any further. It showed up right there before Tom answered the <laughs> or asked the question. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, okay, some of those guys I like. I think Demi Talkman did a great job, but I can't imagine that he's our everyday center fielder. And obviously, um, 
Mr. Bellinger was not on the list um, because no one is currently expecting him to be signed by the Cubs. They cannot. Uh, just, I can't. I can't wrap my head around the idea that they would just say, "Oh well, we're not going to get him." So let's stick talking out there, and we'll put who was it? Oh, Mervert, Mervert at first base. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the plan. Um, good God, I hope. But you know, the less they do successfully do this, so I think they would still love to bring Bellinger back if his market comes back to earth a little bit. If stop Scott Boris stops pushing to get him two hundred eighty million or whatever, uh, they would love to bring Bellinger back on on their sort of terms. They'd love to get Reese Hoskins, another Boris client. We've talked. To, about a bunch on this podcast already who'd be the slugging first baseman and at least force Mervis to earn any spot, any playing time that he does get. Uh, there are a few other options. There are Brandon Belt, Jorge Soler, guys who are not necessarily sexy because they're well into their 30s or we've seen them struggle or they have health issues, but when they're healthy, they rake. Uh, there are a lot of guys still out there that they could add to the lineup. But let's say they miss on a few of those and they end up only making relatively low-grade additions. Or they add someone like Matt Chapman, who's an incredible defender at third base, but wouldn't change the offensive outlook that much. Uh, he's kind of a... He's definitely better than Patrick Wisdom, but... Offensively, I mean. Definitely better than Wisdom, but not by a ton. And then defensively is where he makes his big impact. Well, okay, so then statistically this is still a lineup that doesn't blow you away. That is when council and the coaching staff that he has at his disposal are supposed to win you some extra games, right? They're, I don't think they hired council so that they could sit back and say, now we don't have to get better because you're going to make us better, right? But I do think you hired council because you believe he'll materially make better whatever situation you do give him. So it's still important that he be comfortable, be empowered by having people that he trusts in certain positions. It's just that can't be the whole story. And again, it's it's not going to be. It sounds like tonight, as we speak, the Yamamoto negotiations are coming to a head. And so right on the other side of the Christmas break, we might see a flood of transactions as the logjam sort of finally clears. But I'll, it's I'll just channel been a slow-moving winter. I'll channel my inner DJ and say, uh, and we're not in that, right? <laughs> Correct. Uh, the reason why it feels like it's coming to a head tonight is the Giants apparently were told they're out. And so everybody is basically understands now that it's down to the Yankees, the Mets, and the Dodgers. He supposedly has an offer in hand for at least $300 million already. So, yeah, it's getting serious. That's going to play itself out pretty quickly. And then things should really start going. The guys who could hold up the market this winter were Soto, Otani, Yamamoto, and two out of three are down, and the third domino is about to topple. So uh, in the meantime, the Cubs haven't missed that many opportunities. We talked about this last week. It's just frustrating that what opportunities there are, they haven't yet capitalized on. Some of it's just our feelings, but some of it's real, too. I mean, they have missed on some guys that I think could have been good fits. So, I mean, it's a small sample size, but it just kind of feels like lately 
players don't want to play for the Cubs? Yeah, I I don't know. It, it's I mean, just last winter they did sign Dansby, they did sign Tyone, they signed Bellinger. Uh, even though that was just a one year thing, it was he still had a lot of choices in terms of where he was going to spend his get right year. I think they can recruit the right people in the right situations. I don't think I don't think Hoyer has that Theo Epstein uh, charisma where you know how it felt like if Theo really wanted to, he could go into the room and come out with his guy. Uh, that's what they did with Lester. And it, it's what right. they did with you, Darvish. Um, ownership sort of turned off the tap on him. But when he wanted to get those guys, he got Jason Hayward, too. I don't think Hoyer has the same. He can go. He can't even get in the room. He can't get in the room. Well, and we talked last last week, right, about it's not just that he can't get into those rooms either. It feels like he doesn't always want to. He doesn't want to spend the huge money and get a little irrational to sign a guy at the top of the market, which Theo sometimes did. Um, I I can't test. I can't feel out exactly how much it is that guys don't want to come to the Cubs or, or would choose other teams if given the same offer. Cause I don't think the Cubs are giving him the same offer either. So at some point we have to have firmer info or a, a clear idea that that has changed. Otherwise I can't even evaluate which thing is the hurdle. Um, so yeah. we're just stuck in a waiting game. We keep circling back to this and this is, getting to be the frustrating thing about the off-season podcast is all we can talk about is what hasn't happened. And so then all we can talk about are the possible explanations for why nothing has happened. And those possibilities aren't changing. We're just sort of shuffling. It's like a deck of cards and we're pulling one off the top. And this is the, the reason we believe this week, but then we slide that to the bottom and draw the next card. I don't know what to do with it. Um, other than wait and see. And again, when things start really moving, Cubs have to be one of the things that moves. Did you guys see that the Brewers signed a backup catcher, but then traded away two not important, you know, not high profile, but sort of two semi-valuable role players from, from their group yesterday? No. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't. So Victor Caratini was their backup catcher last year, right? He signed with the Astros. This was a couple of weeks ago. I did see that. Yeah. So they knew they had to go get a backup catcher. They signed him, but it's Eric Haas, who's been playing with the Tigers mostly for the last couple of years. One year, $1 million. I mean, as cheap as cheap can get, you know, they've, there's upside with him, and we already talked about how well the Brewers handle catchers, but it's like a, it really feels like they were not going to spend any extra resources on that position. And then later that day, this was yesterday afternoon, they traded Adrian Hauser, who was kind of penciled in as their third or fourth starter for next year, and Tyrone Taylor, uh, probably their fourth outfielder who's been around a few years traded both of them to the Mets for like a, a decent pitching prospect, but not a great one. A guy who's recovering from Tommy John right now, basically to clear 
two roster spots and about $7 million that they were committed to spend. I don't know what to do with that, but I know it doesn't make the Brewers better immediately. And I don't think they're clearing that money so they can go make a big splash. It feels more like they're trimming their payroll. So again, it comes back to what we've also been saying all winter, which is the division's right there. Exactly. You have to be positioning yourself to win it just because it's so darn winnable. The Brewers got kicked in the crotch when they lost uh, Council, my opinion. And instead of and but they won the division last year, so they and it doesn't seem like they're, you know, rebounding from that crotch kick and saying, okay, let's let's do something to to uh, solidify ourselves. They're they're kind of uh, you know licking their wounds, and the the Cubs should be doing something, anything that says, okay, we'll take it. You guys, you guys go lick your wounds. We're going to take the division. And right now, what was that list not that long ago that showed the MHC stronger than the Cubs? And, God, they sucked so bad last year. I don't know. I just can't. It's just the same old crap every year. I I found something today. I stumbled. I'd I'd seen this years ago. Uh, It's not going to come to me. Shoot. It might. Um. But, you know, I found it years and years ago, and uh, I always liked it, and then uh, stumbled on it today. It's something that Patrick Henry said. Um, I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging the future, but by the past. So judging our future, the Cubs' future, by the Cubs' past, we're going to get the same old crap we get every year. We're going to get anemia. This winter's version of uh, Trey Mancini and Tucker Barnes. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, I think by this time last winter, they had signed, I think they had signed all of Bellinger, Tyone, and Swanson. So it's not unfair to say, yeah, get moving. What's going on? Uh, at the same time, a lot more things in general had happened by this time last winter. Uh, we just keep circling back to that, that there's still a lot of moves to be made. Um, and it's hard to judge the winter until we see, you know, how that's going to shake out. But, and, and I think the other thing is Jed doesn't think along the lines of um, got to do something. You know, he he doesn't think the way we do of you got to make a gesture. You got to improve the team because the opportunity is there to do it. He wants to think more neat and tidy, tighter. He wants to say, you know, is this actually good value or not? Because if it's not, then that's not going to push us forward. It's just going to make us feel like we're pushing forward. Uh, yeah. And we, we are not his boss. Um, I'm sure he's, you know, he's listening maybe a little bit to um to the media or to uh fans but maybe not a lot definitely not a lot uh he's got a budget he's got to stay with and he's got a uh you know uh, uh, he's got his marching orders from whoever it is uh, and he's got to stick to that and uh the problem for old 
fans like me is that that's the same old crap we got from Wrigley and from Tribune and from who was before Tribune or after Tribune. Oh, that guy for 15 minutes. Yeah, but uh, really, he he just bought the Tribune and the Cubs came with him, right? right Isn't yeah. that how it yep. went? Yeah, I think so, something like that. That was yeah. it was. Um, yeah. We need a crate. We need a crazy billionaire. We need um, Mark we need Cuban Charlie wanted to buy him. Yeah, they, see, that would have been great. The owners rejected him, and then, lo and behold, fifteen years later, uh, Steve Cohen, who is basically just slightly richer, Mark Cuban. I mean, he's not a lot, not wired a lot differently. Uh, I don't know. The time was just right for him and they approved Mm -hmm. Cohen, whereas they were never going to approve Cuban. So that's annoying, but here we are. Uh, Yeah, here we are. We're Philip K. Wrigley all over again. It really does. I don't know. We talked about this last week, so I don't want to run in the same circles where we just can't tell how much ownership is holding things back and how much it's, the executive, but that's also an executive who is chosen by ownership. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and and I, you know, you got to give uh, Ricketts some uh, props because they've they've done a lot to Wrigley to 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 maintain it and to to improve it. We not everybody likes what it was done, but it, you know, it it could have just continued to crumble and eventually gone away. And it, they they've renovated and. and uh, made things better, uh, clubhouse, whatever, whatever it is. So, and but they'll point to those things and say, "Look what we did." Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, yeah, but you, uh, and you, and you won the World Series in yeah. 2016, well, and, which is now, the, you know, I have grandkids who weren't alive then. <laughs> yeah, they want to point to that as a uh, justification for not spending, right. and B, well, look how great we actually are because we did these right. things my answers are uh a it's not a justification to not spend you still have plenty of money and the value of the franchise has skyrocketed since you bought it right uh, but b and this is my big one you didn't tom by the way listeners has dropped off he's driving and needs to take care of business so uh, it's just the two of us we watched the West wing religiously when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a moment in season two where Toby is talking about the problem of, of never talking through what was wrong between him and Andy, his ex-wife. And one thing he says is I could have been two years younger right now. Like if they had just confronted what was going on sooner, they might not have patched things up, but he'd be two years younger the same amount of time into his divorced life and sort of starting mm-hmm. over or whatever. Uh, the Ricketts bought the team in 2000, late 2009. Uh, 2010 was the first Ricketts owned them for the whole season year. They spent the next three, four years throwing every kind of tantrum they could think of to try to tear public money out of you know, whoever they thought they could tear it out of, the state, the Mm -hmm. city, the county, whoever. Anyone, please pay for this except for us. They tried earning extra tax breaks. They tried tried basically overthrowing an alderman uh, 
whatever was going to work so that they didn't have to pay for this renovation. And we could all be three years younger right now <laughs> with this with this renovation. It could have been done or it could have been well underway when Theo was hired. Imagine how that might have shortened or changed the rebuild timescale. Or if Theo still came in and said, uh, we need to rebuild, that's not affected by the fact that there's a bunch of new money coming right around the corner because of a renovation. He could have rebuilt the franchise while Wrigley was fully renovated or in the process and it would have been fully renovated by let's say 2013 and then maybe that changes the the money arc and they do go sign Bryce Harper after 2018 yeah. I mean so many things could have been different so I don't I don't even give him credit for the renovation which the other part of that is you know I think the renovation sucks I don't you do I don't yeah. like post renovation Wrigley anyway but yeah but and the other part of that is that the renovations that they've done put money in their pocket. Uh, it's not like they're like, oh, we're just going to make this place. We're just going to recreate Wrigley as it was, and it's going to be beautiful, but it's going to be solid and 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 up to date. And virtually everything they did um, puts money in their pocket. It doesn't, you know, doesn't put a winning ball team on the field. Uh, it puts money in their pocket. So. Yeah. Which, you know, at some point I'm going to have to, I know I, I, I logically know that uh, that's the whole purpose uh, now, but I also still want a crazy owner and a crazy manager who's going to win or kill or die. Uh, that's a, we need like a Ditka type uh, I don't know which, both manager and and owner, somebody that just would rather pull his own tooth than lose a game. Yeah, and it doesn't. Oh, I don't know. I don't think Jed likes losing either. I think it, he just he buries it a lot deeper, even deeper than Theo did. And that's another part of the problem is just Jed doesn't communicate with the public the way Theo did. We could yeah, always see. True that it hurt Theo when they collapsed in 2018, you could see that Theo was like shattered. Uh, he didn't end up being able to do anything about it because the Ricketts took away the checkbook. Yeah. But you, he wore that on his sleeve in a way that Jed isn't ever going to do. And oh. maybe Carter Hawkins is doing that, but he's a robot. So we can't read. No, 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 he's a gregarious guy. We should put him out front. He's, he's full of fun. If you, if you look at pictures closely, he's wearing like two shades darker khakis these days. It's the equivalent for him of like going goth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. boy. Well, we don't have anything real to talk about other than what we already talked about. Yeah, DJ unfortunately. isn't going to make it. Tom dropped off. I think we shut it down and call this a, a short. That's what makes this Christmas episode special is it's a short episode of this. Yes. We're uh, we're cutting uh, we're closing early so our families have time to spend with their families or our teammates spend that time to spend with their families. Yeah, and and our many many listeners have an extra twenty minutes. And the the, the the vast corporation, the vast this is not a rebuild corporation. All those employees can take some time and be with the ones they love. I except Connor. 
get the damn floors done. I don't care what you're doing. Get to work. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to try to guess a random cub. Uh-oh. Uh, he only pitched for the team for one year. It was 2012. He made 21 starts. He had a 6.31 ERA. He was terrible. Uh, <laughs> he was six foot eight. Ooh. And the Cubs got him in trade for Carlos Zambrano. Who was it? Oh, my gosh. Um, you said 2008. 2012. 2012. He stood six foot eight. Big, huge guy. The second to last day of the 2012 season, we saw them, saw the Cubs and Astros to the losingest series in the history of baseball. Both teams had already lost a hundred games. Uh, this guy took the loss that day. Oh boy. Um, it's not Smarja. Is it Smarja? No, He's it's got boy. that, that general vibe. Um, but no, let's see uh, what number did he even wear. Run a lot of time. 32 was his number. Wow. Every um, 32 since John Lester, since John Garza. has sucked, by the way. Was Garza. Not Garza. He Garza was, was 22. Yeah. Well, he was 17 his first year with the Cubs. Then he switched yeah. to 22 once Carlos Pena left. Anyway, the I'm answer out. to this random Cub was Chris Volstad. Ooh. Chris Volstad. Mm. So if you were playing along at home and you got that, uh, yeah. send sick. us an email and, help. Uh, we'll send the money <laughs> but otherwise have a Merry Christmas enjoy whatever holidays you're celebrating and whoever you're celebrating them with and we'll be back maybe next week if there's news we'll come back next week otherwise we might just let it ride through the holidays and pitch up again in the new year later people <laughs>